0: Thank you, Gordon and Barbara, for our music this morning. Welcome to those of you joining us on live stream. We're in Romans chapter 8, two weeks ago. We were finishing verse 11, and we're going to verse 12 this morning. When we went through this chapter a few weeks past, we came to verse 6 that gave us two terms that we've been considering. That is, to be carnally minded is death, But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we've been considering both of those things, what it is to be carnally minded and what it is to be spiritually minded. We talked about the carnal mind in verses 5 through 8. And then two weeks ago, the last message I did from this chapter was on verses 9 through 11, where he begins to talk about the spiritually minded. I called that message A, And uh, the message this morning will be the spiritually-minded message B. So this is the second one. Let me give you five things that we learned in verses 9 through 11, however, if you will. First of all, we learned that we, that is believers, are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 said, You are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so if you're a child of God... You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. That's a fact. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have salvation. Number two, we also have a physical body. In uh, verse 10, it's called a body, and in verse 11, it's called a mortal body. And since we have that body, uh, that body has been given to us by our parents all the way back to Adam and uh, we still live in this body. Now, number three, because we do, as believers, we have two natures. We have we had a nature when we were born, uh, and given this physical body, we were also not only given this physical flesh, we were given the flesh that is the fallen nature that we inherited all the way from Adam and Eve. And so, uh, you then, when you are born again, received a spiritual nature so that you have two. You have that fleshly nature still inside you, but now you also have a spiritual nature inside you. Now, number four, the lost person is said in the Scripture to be in the flesh, which means spiritually, positionally, uh, the lost person only lives in that old nature. Only, yes, they live in this fleshly body, like as we do. But they also live in the in the fleshly or fallen nature, and they have no other nature. That's just the world that they live in. Whereas the saved person, you as a believer, uh, have both that nature, but now you also have a new nature, spiritually, positionally, and so number five. You as a believer can, at times, walk after the flesh. Now, you don't live in the flesh, but you can walk after the flesh. But you also can, because you have a new nature, walk after the Spirit, something that the lost person just cannot do. So today we're going to look at verses 12 through 14 on then how does this spiritually minded person uh, live and how do we live after the Spirit. Now, I want to put this note in here, too, that what we're talking about today and in this passage that we have describes what Christians do as a pattern. That is, this becomes the pattern of your life. It doesn't mean that you don't fail occasionally, because we all do, and uh, we're not sinless even as believers. But those things are a sidetrack to us. Those those things are only occasional. We come back onto the path that we're on, and that is that upward walk, that path of following Christ as Savior. So really, it is kind of an up and down path, but it always uh, the trajectory is always upward. So go with me if you will to your outline, and uh, you have it uh, in your bulletin. We're gonna we're gonna talk about three things in these verses about the spiritually minded. First of all, we do not follow after the flesh. Secondly, we can put the flesh to death. We can mortify the flesh. And then thirdly, if we're children of God, we are led by the Spirit. And that is the key uh, for our successful walk. So first of all, I say in verses 12 and the first part of verse 13 that we do not follow after the flesh. Let me read it again. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I have four thoughts here that I, wanna, I want you to follow with me. First of all, we still have that flesh, not only the fleshly flesh, that is the body that we live in, that every human being has, saved or lost, but we also, because we have that, we have the fallen nature also. Do you ever think about it that any, every person that is still in this flesh, this, this fleshly body, this mortal body that has not yet been resurrected or not yet died, has a fallen nature in that flesh also it's interesting that the Bible will call the body fleshly, which it is, but it will also call the nature that is in this body fleshly. So when Adam sinned, that fleshly body that God had made for him became not only a fleshly body, but a fleshly nature. It fell. It was a sinful nature now. And so with that body that we have comes our sinful nature. So... Notice verse three to see a contrast here. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son, notice these words, in the likeness of sinful flesh. So something that we learned about the Son of God Himself is that He had a body. He came in a fleshly human body and was 100% human as, is, as he was also 100% divine. But it was not a sinful body. So he says here, in the likeness of sinful flesh, he had sinless flesh, we have sinful flesh. He was less any sin, we are full of sin. So that is how we got a Savior who could die for our sins. Now, why didn't he have a sinful nature also if he had a body? Because the virgin birth bypassed the inherited sin from Adam. And so though he had a body that was conceived of the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary, he did not have the nature that came from Adam. And so we see the contrast there, but we also see how we are sinful people because we have this sinful flesh. So at birth you got the old nature. You still have that flesh, that fleshly nature in you. You know uh, how often we kind of joke a little bit when we see a a little baby or a little toddler, such a cute little thing, and then we say also, uh, he's such a cute little sinner, right? And that's true, Uh, They are cute little sinners, and they grow up to be big little sinners and uh, sometimes ugly sinners. And as a matter of fact, all babies have that sinful nature and will be lost for eternity without regeneration by the Spirit of God. And that becomes an important job for every parent. At the new birth, you receive that new nature. And it goes with the old nature, and now you have both inside you. So number one, we still have the flesh. Number two, though, we are not obligated to it. So notice the word that Paul uses in verse 12. We, brethren, are not debtors. Or excuse me, he puts it in the positive. We are debtors, and then he says, but not to the flesh. We're we're debtors, okay, But we're debtors to the spirit, we're not debtors to the flesh. Now, the word debtor, he's used this before in chapter 1, if you remember, as he began this book, he said, I am a debtor to the world. I have something that the world needs, and I'm a debtor to give them the gospel, remember that, and I'm ready to do it, and I'm unashamed to do it, Romans chapter 1. The word debtor can mean indebted, of course delinquent, even transgressor. But I like the word obligation. If you have a debt, you have an obligation. If, you're, if you owe something to someone or something, then you have an obligation to that. Let me read you what James Stifler, in a good little commentary uh, that Kent gave me, by the way, on, uh, that he had on his shelf from uh, the book of Romans. James Stifler said, the man in Christ is not in the flesh, but it is in him. And the problem of salvation is not how to transmute the flesh into something good, but how to live with this devilish thing every day without being overcome by it. The presence of the Spirit solves the problem. So we have this thing in us. How do we live without it overcoming us? Well, first of all, we understand that we are not debtors to it. If we have the Spirit. Now, in other words, you are not a slave to that old nature. You're not a slave to that body, but rather you're the master of it. It owes you, you don't owe it. And when it makes demands of you, you don't have to fulfill that demand. You owe nothing to it. But that body needs to serve you. You're the master now. Uh, not the slave. As a matter of fact, I want you to look back to chapter 6 and read a few verses with me from chapter 6 that uh, drills this home to us. Verse 13 of chapter 6, do not present or yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Look at verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin to death or obedience to righteousness? And Paul is telling us here, you're not a slave to that old nature anymore. Verse 20. When you are slaves of sin, you are free in regard to righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things which are you now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Verse 22 says, but now having been set free from sin, that old flesh, that old nature, and having become slaves of God, you have your gift to holiness and the end everlasting life. So we're not a slave to that flesh anymore. We don't owe it anything anymore is what he's saying here. Number three under our point. We do not then have to follow that flesh. Now, verse 12 then ends by saying that we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We're not debtors to do that. Now, I'm going to refer to a verb tense a few times in today's message, and and it's the present tense. It's a significant thing when the New Testament does this. And it says the present tense means here's something that you do all the time. Here's something you do presently, time after time after time. Now, it has a few different past tenses where it says, well, you may have done that once. You may have done it twice. But here's something you do all the time. And so it's saying here in our verse that we are not debtors to the flesh to live continually all the time, day after day. Uh, to the flesh. Yes, you may fall. Yes, it may overcome you at time or, or not. But that's not what you do all the time. You as a believer uh, do not follow after in that sense. We do not live according to the flesh or after the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, you remember that chapter where we're described the, the, uh, the lusts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Remember how there's a whole long list of those, those sins of the flesh, and then there's those seven fruits of the Spirit. Well, the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They have the same uh, expression here as live according to or live after. The flesh doesn't want to live after the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't want to live after the flesh. And they battle one another constantly in our life. And verse 19 will say, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, and on and on it goes with a long list of things. You don't do those things as a pattern in your life as a believer. It doesn't mean they don't come into your life now and then, but you don't do them. Are you tempted? Of course you're tempted. And we're tempted constantly by Satan and by the flesh. James said, every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Of course that happens. But the Bible also says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're not that that flesh's slave anymore. You're a slave to God. And greater is he than that other thing that's in you. And so, uh, yes, we're tempted, uh, but not beyond our ability. I don't know if, uh, if your parents ever did something like this. When I was a little boy and, uh, you know, uh, we were in school all the time or in the neighborhood with other kids all the time, and sometimes even little kids are just persuaded to go do things with other kids that you're not supposed to be doing, and you know good and well you're not supposed to be doing it. So, my mom and dad uh, told me, I remember, and I, and I remember my dad, who is six foot three and 300 pounds. He's a, he's a pretty big, awesome kind of guy. And he said, if uh, somebody wants you to do something you're not supposed to do, you tell them your father said you don't have to. <laughs> Good enough, boy. I, you know, here's my dad, and he's a big guy, and they want me to do something. I said, my dad says I don't have to do it. And you know what? It worked. I didn't have to do it. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. You can say to the devil, you can say to your own flesh, my father said I don't have to, and you can walk away from it. And that's what he's saying here uh, to us in the end of verse 12. Now, the beginning of verse 13 is an interesting statement. If you do live according to the flesh, you will die. That is a present tense also. Now there's the there's the word if there. You could do this, you may and you may not. You you may live according to the flesh, you may not. A lost person has to. He he has no other way to go. He He has no other nature. But you as a believer have both natures. Will you follow the flesh that is not even your boss anymore? That is your slave? Rather than your master, will you follow that? If you do, you'll die. But if not, you will live. If you say no to that, you will die. So he says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Again, present tense. If you go on living that kind of a lifestyle, no matter what you say about yourself, if this is the way you live, you're not saved. You don't have a new boss, a new nature. But let me put this in two ways. And by by the way, one other point here. Because I thought this was interesting in translating this verse, you will die, is a word that is, we would say, you are about to die. You're about to come to death. It's about to end for you. Let me put this in two different contexts. One is in the Christian context, and that is, you can still follow after the flesh until it kills you. You still have that ability. A Christian could drink beyond what he's supposed to drink and and become drunk and drive down the road and crash into a tree and kill himself. By following after things that you shouldn't have been doing, you're about to die too. You can can live in the wrong way and still suffer death. Not only that, the Bible says that a believer can come under the chastisement of God and God can bring your life to an early end. You never know that of another person, but God knows it. And so we as believers take the warning also, I'm not going to walk down that road that brings death. Now, let me speak to the non-Christian. To the non-Christian, you have no other way to go. To the non-Christian, your life is bringing about death. Things that, you th- that God calls sin, you think are fun. Things that God says to avoid, you think uh, you ought to indulge in. And that will bring death to you too. But not only that, you're about to enter into eternity. Your life is so short that it's just a blink away and you are going down this path with no remorse and no repentance, and you think it's fun, and you're going to die and stand before your Creator who will send you into eternal death. You're about to die. I think it's interesting that the world that doesn't have Christ thinks that the things that God calls the flesh or sin, they think it's natural and good. And so the lusts of the flesh become a good thing. If you have an inordinate affection toward the same-sex attraction, they think that's good. They think that's something that you were born with that is very natural and you ought to do. God calls it sin. You think that the lust of the flesh toward other things is good? God calls those things sin. And so in the world, the world is constantly saying, no, these things are good for you. These things you ought to do. We have teaching going on in our schools right now, don't we? Uh, that teaches little kids that sexual experimentation for three- and four-year-olds is a good thing, and here's how you do it. God calls it sin. God calls this kind of training wrong. And so we, have, we, we face this kind of thing all the time. But you're about to die, and you need to understand that before God. So here we have that we don't have to follow after the flesh, point number one. We go to the second part of verse 13, and that is that you and I as believers, as those who are spiritually minded, can put fleshly deeds to death. Verse 13, again, at the end, says, "But if uh, the spirit, uh, if by the spirit, excuse me, you put to death, I know the other version says, mortify, same thing, of course you put to death the deeds of the body, you live. You have a life that God wants you to have, and you have eternal life. Now, a Christian is one who is constantly doing this, constantly, present tense, always doing this. Remember Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so that's the picture of the believer who is constantly overcoming. And, and Paul says here, putting the, the deeds of the flesh to death. Now, thought number one, deeds are not the flesh. You don't put the flesh to death. Number one, you don't put put the physical body to death. That's called suicide. That's murder. That's a a sin before God to do. But neither do you put the fallen nature to death. You cannot obliterate it. You cannot get rid of it. It's going to live with you. You're going to have to battle this thing. You're going to have to do it for the rest of your life. But the, the sin nature that you have wants you to do things, and those things that your nature wants you to do are here called the deeds of the flesh, and those things you can avoid. Colossians 3.9 says, do, do not lie one to another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. That is, not rid of the nature, but the life that you used to live. That old life you've put off with its deeds. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Revelation 2.22, when, when Paul, or John writes to Thyatira about Jezebel, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. So these deeds of the flesh can still affect you as a believer, and of course to a lost person, He's affected by this all the time. Galatians, again, uh, chapter 5 says, The works of the flesh are these. Could have been translated, the deeds of the flesh are these. And again, I read them a little bit ago. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, drunkenness, and that's only the first of the list. It goes on for about three more verses with all of the deeds of the flesh. So understand that. You're not putting your flesh to death, but you're saying to what the flesh wants you to do, I'm not doing it. Number two, you can succeed or fail in this. So notice again the word uh, if here in this. Uh, you know, If the, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live because as I also said, they could take your life you could die. And of course, if you're a lost person, this is all you do. So there's a contrast to if you die and if you live. Now, again, we are debtors to the Spirit. We're not debtors to the flesh. And so this verse is saying again uh, in verse 13, if by the Spirit of God you constantly are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And that's what a believer does. That's what a Christian does. You've heard this kind of illustration of the Christian life going up. As I said a little bit ago, the trajectory always goes up. We're getting better. We're growing. We're in a progressive sanctification, but there's some ups and downs in it. It's kind of like walking up a set of stairs. You have, those, you have the stairs that are flat where you're making no progress, but then you have to go up to the next level. If you stand on one step, guess what? You're not going anywhere, are you? You're not growing. You're not going up. And so stairs are designed for you to get off of that flat place, go to the next one, and then get off of that one and go to the next one. And that's a lot what the Christian life is like. You start out in the Christian life probably doing some things you don't even know that are wrong. And then you read God's word, and God describes that to you, and you say, oh, I need to get off this step, and you go ahead to the next level. And then you find out something there that God says you should be doing, and you do it or not do it, depending on what it is, you go on to the next step up. And every time you do, you're getting a little higher than you were before. That's the way the Christian life goes. So you can succeed or you can fail in this, depending on how you want to respond to it. Thirdly, we can destroy the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body. So, again, the Old Version has the word mortify, good word. Uh, Mortification is putting something to death. And we have here, I use the word destroy or put to death, the deeds, again, not the flesh, but the deeds of the flesh. Go back with me again to chapter 6. And in verse six, he says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. You'll have a footnote there in your Bible that says, rendered inoperative. That is, that body and that flesh that you have inside you says, let's do this, but it's been rendered inoperative. It's not the boss, it's the slave you turn around and say, we're not going there. We're not going to do that. Look also at verse 11 of chapter 6. Likewise, also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Put it to death. Put the deeds of it to death. But be alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read you a couple things from good men that I read. I thought these were good. Linsky says in his commentary, "The combat is a mortal one. We go on living the spiritual life only by killing these vicious deeds, <coughs> excuse my voice, that w- these vicious deeds that want to destroy this our life. We keep doing it as long as we are in this body that is prone to sin in a sinful environment. In other words, we have to keep killing these deeds as long as we live in this body. You're not going to get above it. You're not going to get beyond it. It's never going to leave you. Now, maybe the types of sins are different. Maybe those things that you did outwardly as a young Christian, you never do anymore. But there are challenges today, and you know what they are. Also, Cranfield said, the putting to death is an action which is continuous or again and again repeated, not one which can be done once for all. And so don't expect, as some people say, uh, you can get to a level of spirituality where you never sin, where you're never tempted, where the deeds of the flesh never ask you anything. They always do, and they always will. So you can destroy these deeds of the flesh. You can put them to death. I'll come back to that thought in just a minute. Number four, though, I want you to notice that we do it. And then number five, we do it through the Spirit. So, here in verse 13 again, uh, and and by the way, in verse 12, you have the word we, you remember uh, that we are debtors. But in verse 13, he directs it to you, his readers. With four times he mentions this word, you. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He's speaking to you even as believers. Four times you have to be engaged in this. Now, there are, there are two large mistakes that are often made by Christian people. One is that walking in the Christian life is all me, all my effort. And the other mistake is, walking the Christian life is all of the Holy Spirit and none of me. And I think both are mistakes at both ends of the spectrum. And they, they create bad doctrine when uh, they're like that, though we hear those kinds of things all the time. Now, the fact is, you have to be engaged. This is your flesh, something you have to put to death, and you can do it. That's the point. And along with that, as I have number five, you do it through the Holy Spirit. Before you were saved, you had no ability. Before you were saved, you didn't have the Holy Spirit. So you, you tried to do it all on your own, but you couldn't do it on your own. But Now that you have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is not going to just do it for you. And you know that as well as anybody else. When you let down your guard, when you don't make any effort about it, You find yourself sinning, backsliding, doing things you shouldn't do, even though the Holy Spirit lives within you. And you will find that the the Christian life is a partnership, if you will. You are doing it, but the Holy Spirit is giving you the power and doing it through you. If you'll pay attention, that will work. Cranfield again says it this way, the daily, hourly, putting to death of the schemings and enterprises of the sinful flesh by means of the Spirit is a matter of being led, directed, impelled, and controlled by the Spirit. So be filled with the Spirit, the apostle will say to the Ephesians. Now, how do you do it? You know, if you begin to make a list of things in your New Testament, you'll find a number of instructions to you, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Cast it down. You get this thought in your mind, throw it away. You say, that sounds too easy. The Holy Spirit is there to help you do it, and you can do it. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You say, I can't resist. Yes, you can. You're the boss, not the slave. And you can resist him, and God will help you. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. These, these, there are four ways that you can uh, cast down the deeds of the flesh and live by the Spirit, and the Bible's full of those. You, you've heard me use the word soliloquy, uh, and that's defined as talk to yourself. Why are you cast down, O oh, my soul? Why are why are you disquieted within me? Why are you like this? Rather, uh, listen, soul, lift yourself up. Do the right thing. O oh, my soul, praise him, for he is like health and salvation, the song says. And so, that's talking to yourself. And you ought to talk to yourself. I think I told you when, uh, uh, that, you know, my mother used to walk around the house talking to herself, and I'd say, Mom, you're talking to yourself. And she'd say, it's the only way I can have an intelligent conversation around here, you know. So if that's the case in your house, talk to yourself and talk to your soul. And so what are you doing? Do right. Do it before the Lord. Okay, so We've looked at the fact that you do not follow after the flesh as a pattern of life. They, we put the fleshly deeds of the flesh to death. And one last thought he gives us in verse 14, and that is we're led by the Spirit. Let me briefly summarize this verse in these three ways. Number one, believers have the Holy Spirit. I made that point at the very beginning of the message. So if you have the Holy Spirit, as verse 9, if you remember, said, if, he, if you don't have him, you're none of his. But if you do, are a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit. Secondly, believers then are led by the Spirit, are being led, present tense again. Believers are being led by the Spirit. It doesn't mean that you don't often fail. You don't say no sometimes even to the conviction of the Spirit. But it means as a pattern of life, the Holy Spirit who is in you is leading you and growing you, and you are doing better and better on these things. And so lastly, those are the people who are the sons of God. We're going to come back to verse 15 next week and talk about the word adoption. Interesting that we are the sons of God by adoption, and an adoption that makes us full-fledged sons of God, heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have great benefits uh, as the sons of God. And let let me give you two assurances of your salvation, because sometimes when we talk about these things, especially if you're struggling with things in your life, you begin to say to yourself, am I saved or not saved? Do I really have the Spirit of God living within me, or am I just a good pretender? And you ask yourself that, and maybe you're not sure. There are are two ways that we gain assurance uh, according to the Scripture. One is the sincerity of your profession of faith. Now, that may sound simple, but it's profound. Did you, in all sincerity, ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? And you know how you gave testimony to that fact? It's called water baptism. You, by your water baptism, said, I was sincere in my profession of faith. I accepted Christ. I believed in his death, burial, and resurrection. You need that assurance in your life. The second is your constant walk with the Lord so that you see in your life a changed life. You see in yourself that you're putting away the flesh and not living according to it as a pattern of life, but rather your pattern of life now uh, is an ongoing profession You know how you testify to that? It's called the Lord's Supper. So just as you testify to the first means by your baptism, you testify to the second means by coming to the Lord's table and taking those elements that say, I am constantly walking with the Lord and appreciating what He's done for me. And so I encourage you as you study these kinds of things uh, to go back to those two plain assurances in the Scripture and say, I know who I am. And if you know that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not having victory over sin, Then you go back to the Lord and say, I need your help. I need to learn these things. I need to know how to put the deeds of the flesh to death in my life. And he will help you do it. You will be led by the Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit living within you? Those of you who are watching by live stream, I ask you, does the Holy Spirit live within you? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you have not, you don't have the Spirit of God. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're not a son or a child of God. And the Bible says in our text, you're about to die. You're going to face death sooner than you think. Don't face it without a Savior. Don't face it without the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. All right, I want you to stand now with me as you will as we come to the end of this message. And we go to the Lord in prayer We certainly need to search our hearts when we've read passages like this and ask ourselves first, do we know the Lord as Savior? And secondly, am I walking a pleasing walk with the Lord? Let's pray. Father, now help us as we uh, bow our heads before you, as we come to you, Father, uh, having read your word and invited the Spirit to speak to our hearts, Father, if there's someone listening that does not know Christ as Savior, these words, I would pray, would convict these verses that we've read uh, with threat of eternal death for those who don't know Christ, who are not a child of God. Father, I pray that there would be conviction and then belief and in conversion because of it. And then, Father, for those of us who know you, Father, we, we know ourselves. We know what lives within us. And Father, we rejoice in the victories that we have, and it grieves our heart when we fail in those things. So, Father, give us strength. Help us and help those who are struggling with the things of the flesh to find that power that lives within them and overcome it. So, bless in these things as we think about them, as we invite you to speak to our hearts, and as we sing this song, may you be glorified by it. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Gordon's going to come and lead us in the song. Our invitation is open as we sing and as our service is closed. So I always encourage you respond to this message in the way the Lord is leading you to respond. Gordon.